if you have a Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, um, that's where we're going. We're in week number four um, of a series called Don't Miss This. Next week is going to be the last, um, the last message in this series. Um, then we're going to move on to a series called From Wounds to Wins. Um, but this series has been all about um, really nothing um, but everything. Um, it's a lot of stuff that we want you to not miss. Um, as we kick off 2021, it's kind of a... Um, kind of where we're going as a church and, um, and what we need to really um, be doing as individuals uh, to get there. And so how as a church are we starting things out and individually, um, what are some things that maybe we need to start doing or stop doing? Uh, quick review, week number one, um, I revealed to you sort of a new vision statement um, that we're working on here at the church. Um, we have a strategic leadership meeting in March, um, so you'll hear more about that and, and about that and some different things that we have um, going on um, at that time, kind of things that go with that. But the gist of it is um, we're really trying this year to, to move into this, um, th- this idea and, and, and really put into motion this concept that we've really talked about for years, but, but really being a church um, that the unchurched and the de-church love to attend, to create an atmosphere where people could come in here and, and really feel the presence of God and have a genuine encounter with Jesus and begin to experience life change as, as, we, as, we, as we live out this, 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 this mission of being a church where change takes place and purpose comes alive. Um, week number two, we started talking about how do, we, how do we begin doing that? And I talked to you about the dangers of self-righteousness. And I said, in order for us to get where we need to go, we need to learn as a church and as individuals, we need to learn how to stop pointing fingers at people and, and, and instead start learning how to lend a hand. And that message um, was so much fun uh, that we're going to go a little bit deeper into that today, and we'll get there in a minute. Um, last week, uh, Pastor Gary kicked off our 21 days of prayer, and, and we looked at who or what really is leading our lives and the importance of putting Jesus first in everything that we do. And we talked about um, starving our body and our soul in order to enrich our spirit. Um, today, I want to talk about something that in the Christian community, well, let, me, let me kind of back up, let me set it up like this. Um, a new semester just started at Carroll. Um, my kids are in high school and they go to Carroll. And um, last week, um, we were kind of going through grades and stuff and, and looking at all that. And it got me thinking back to when I was in high school. Um, when I was in high school, um, my grades weren't, weren't great, but I had a tough grading scale. Um, where I went in Indiana, um, we had the five-point grading scale system, which is like impossible for people like me. Like you, you might as well just call me a failure from the beginning. But it was like 95 to 100 was an A. Anything under that, you just, you just don't even come home to my house. Like that's, that's just kind of how it was. Um, today, where my kids go at least, um, they're a little bit more freeing. Um, it's like they have this grade scale. This is the one probably everybody is familiar with, right? Like 100 to not, like you get 10 points before you get an A, and, and then it just keeps going down from there. So everybody's familiar with this, right? And so if you were to take a test today that had like 10 questions on it, you can miss one and, and still get an A. You can miss two and get a B. You can miss three and, and you get a C. But if you miss like four or more, like, like I know somebody's going to like, like you miss four, you get a D, and somebody's going to go, but D's get degrees, pastor. I know, but future starts with an F. Um, and so I'm not sure you want to follow that logic. Um, anyway, five or more, and you fail the test, right? Now, that's the grade scale that's used in most schools. Um, I want you to reference this. You can write this down in your notes or whatever. We didn't put a picture there. Probably should have. Um, but set that off to the side because we're going to come back to that later on. In order to get there, though, 
I need to spend a little bit of time talking about something else. Um, We're going to start off by talking about pet peeves. Uh, Anybody have a pet peeve? Anybody have one? This week on Facebook, I asked that question. What is one of your biggest pet peeves? And we got back all kinds of answers. Um, I'll start off. I'll, I'll, I'll start off with one of mine. Um, one of my. If you know me, um, you know this. But one of my biggest pet peeves is people. <laughs> it is. I'll just. I trying to make nothing up this morning. I'll just like. <laughs> welcome to Central. I'm the past. No, it's it's people in the ten item or less lane that have more than ten items. Anybody else there? And when she writes a check, because it's always a she, right? <laughs> Listen, if you get offended by that right now, just wait. <laughs> I'm telling you. This is, this is what we call space maker sermon. I know as you look around, like because of COVID, there's lots of space. Um, but there'll be even like online. Like this, this is one of those messages. Um, but, but it's always, that, that, those are, that's one of my biggest pet peeves. Um, some of yours, some of the ones people wrote down, loud chewing. Um, people pulling out in front of you. There were all kinds of stuff about traffic. People pulling out in front of you, people driving fast um, or slow in the fast lane. Pe- my, one of my biggest ones, people who leave their blinker on, and sometimes they do it on purpose uh, just because they know I'm back there. Um, bad grammar, the people when they use like there, 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 and they're wrong, or your, 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 and your, like that drives some of you nuts, right? Um, another one, when somebody puts the toilet paper on and it's under rather than over, as a, just, just quick survey. How many under people are there here? Under? How many, how many over people? <laughs> you, you look at all the wrong people at church today. <laughs> um, somebody put it as a comment underneath one of those. They put, when somebody doesn't leave toilet paper on at all. Like, I, I would guess that would be. Like, you're trying to figure out whether you've got to use the shower curtain or what. I don't, I don't know. But <laughs> pet peeves, right? We all have pet peeves. Now, there's a couple of reasons why we have pet peeves. Number one, um, the, the reason that those things or that thing bothers us is because, number one, we don't think we do it. Like, if something bothers us, it's because in most cases, we don't do it, right? Like, I, I'm not taking more than 10 items. Like, I, I don't do that. But number two, because we don't think that we do it, it makes it really easy to spot when other people are doing it, right? So, so pet peeves, all of us have those. Now, I know what you're thinking. What is a grading scale? What is pet peeves? What does this have to do with the church and Jesus and the Bible? Well, just like people have pet peeves, the church and Christianity has pet sins. There are people, and listen to me, I am included in this, all right? This is, this is Pastor Ryan as well, all right? If you're a Christian, you're included in this. If you're a follower of Jesus, this is you. Christians and the church... We have pet sins. In other words, there are things that other people do that are sinful, and when we see those particular things happen, it absolutely drives us crazy and makes us lose our dang mind. Yes or no? Yes. It's all right to shout back this morning. I'm, I'm going all the way Baptist today, so you need to talk back. Uh, there are two reasons why something would be considered a pet sin. If you're taking notes, write this down. Number one is because I don't struggle with it. So number one reason. Because I don't struggle with it. So if there's something that I see in other people that's sinful, I'm really quick to point it out and judge and say, they shouldn't do that. They, should, they need to stop that. They shouldn't quit. Those people are always doing it. Those, remember, we talk about those people here, right? We, don't, we, don't need, we need to stop saying those people, right? We need to be all people. That's what, we need to, that's what we need to do. But we say that, right? Those people. The reason that we're quick to do that is because I don't struggle with the thing that I'm judging, The second reason why churches and Christians have pet sins 
is because it allows me to deflect when I really need to reflect. It allows me to deflect when I really need to reflect. In other words, if I spend all of my time and all of my energy and all my effort pointing out where other people fall short, I don't have to deal with the fact that I myself fall short. And if I spend all of my time judging other people and judging their sins, then I don't have to reflect on my heart and my condition and my emotions. And if I don't have to think about any of that, then it allows me, in, in my mind at least, to put myself on a moral pedestal because I can say, I am awesome. I am incredible because I don't struggle with that particular sin, right? Now, for 2,000 plus years, the church has had pet sins. Now, for time's sake today, I'm only going to mention a couple from the past, like, 35, 40-ish years. In the late 70s through the 80s and into the early 90s, the pet sin of the church was abortion. Abortion. And let me say this, it was the thing that the church, Christians, seemed to be the angriest about. There were protests, people would get arrested at abortion clinics, people got shot. It was absolutely crazy. Now, let me stop and say this, just so you know where I stand on this issue. All right, this is Pastor Ryan, this is the leadership of the church, this is where we stand on this. Um, Me, I'm pro-life. I'm very, 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 very pro-life. I believe in life, right? I, that, that's, that's me. But should I hate somebody that's pro-choice? Should I? Should I have the right to yell and scream at them and put posters in their face and condemn them to hell? Should I hate them? Like, should I? Listen, I'm not giving permission for any of the sin that I'm going to talk about today. I am not the person who's going to give you permission to sin. Right? I'm not saying that it's all right. I, I, I'm not. But if you're here today and you've had an abortion at some time in your life, I will tell you you're forgiven. I will tell you that you are loved by God. I will tell you that he accepts you. I will tell you that he knew what you were going to do before he even created you, and he made you anyway. And then he went ahead and arranged for payment of that sin to be taken care of. That's an awesome God, isn't it? Listen, I'm just saying, I don't think that the church and as Christians, that we've approached it the right way. I think we've been very hateful. I think we've been very, very, very mean. But it's a pet sin that the church has dealt with. Then, in the late 90s and all through the 2000s and even today, the pet sin that the church has really pointed their finger at and condemned has switched from abortion to, anybody want to guess? It's all right, you can say it. I know you know. Homosexuality, right? It's the thing that the church, let's just be honest, that the church seems to be the angriest about. We're just mad. We're just angry. We're just upset. And, and listen, if you're a Christian, I don't care where you stand on this topic. Me, I'll let, you know, I'll let you know exactly where I'm at. I'll let you know exactly where this church is at. If you get upset about it, then just be upset about it, all right? I believe that the Bible teaches that God created male and female. That's it. I believe that marriage is between a man and a woman. That's it. But if you call yourself a Christian, I feel like we owe people that are gay an apology just because of what has been said to them and what has been said about them over the years. Listen to me. It is unchristlike what has been said to them and what has been said about them. It is 
unchristlike. But you know why people in the church spend so much time bashing people that are gay? You know why? Because they don't struggle with that. That's why. It's because if I can attack somebody for being a certain way, I don't have to look in the mirror and deal with what's going on in my own life. Now, I know there's a lot of people right now that are screaming. Not out loud. You probably want to. You're screaming in your head. But the Bible says. But the Bible says. But the Bible says. By the way, next week, we're going to talk about what the Bible says. Like We're going to talk all about that. It's going to be so much fun. I pray you make it through this one and come back next week. But there are people that scream and shout, the Bible says all homosexuals go to hell. And I've gotten into a lot of interesting conversations lately about that. And so I legit want to talk about it. Because, see, one of the major passages that people use to say that all homosexuals go to hell is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 10. Now, the book of Corinthians is written by the Apostle Paul to a church in Corinth. He actually wrote two letters, two books, what we would call them, to the church in Corinth. Because the church in Corinth, listen to me, the church in Corinth was jacked up. He actually wrote more to the church in Corinth than he wrote to any other church. That's how jacked up, messed up, and nasty the church in Corinth was. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, these have been the verses that Christians have used for years to hammer on people that are gay. And so I want us today to just kind of take a step back and really look at what this verse says, what these two verses say, and spend a little time as we look at not just at that one phrase, but at all the phrases, and ask ourselves, where am I at? You ready? Here we go. This is what the Bible says. Paul wrote, or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Stop. We need to talk about that for a second. It doesn't say that wrongdoers don't go to heaven. does not say that. It does not say that. John MacArthur, I read this the other day, John MacArthur, he writes, the kingdom of God is way more than heaven. The kingdom of God is a way of life that exists here and eternity. So the kingdom of God isn't always referring to heaven. And so right here, the whole, these people go to hell, that, that argument kind of falls apart, okay? But stay with me, I'm gonna keep going. Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. So if the kingdom of God just meant heaven, there's a whole lot more people on the hell express than just gay people, yes or no? Yes. In fact, this passage right here lists out 10, 10 different types of people that will not inherit the kingdom of God. So here's what we're going to do. And, and this word's going to be fun. This word's going to get really personal. We're going to take a pop quiz today. We're going to go through each one of these, and we're going to take a test, and I want you to grade yourself. Now, I'm not going to ask you to switch papers at the end with anybody, all right, because that would, that would be kind of weird and awkward. I'm not going to ask you to do that. But I am going to ask you to grade yourself. And the way you do it is either with a check mark of, 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 of I, I don't do that, like I, check, I don't do that, like I checked that off the list, or an X. And the X is, yep, that's me, busted, right? So check mark, I don't do that, or an X, yes, that's me. And we're going to use the basic grading scale at the end, remember that? And so there's 10 questions. If you get four or more wrong, you fail, all 
All right, now, now let me tell you why we're doing this. The reason we're doing this is because, once again, we spend so much time as Christians and as churches pointing our finger so much that we don't have time to look in the mirror. And I believe we have to do a whole lot more looking in the mirror before we can even think about pointing a finger at people in the world. All right? So here we go. Number one. Everybody ready? Wrongdoer. Now, nobody here, nobody in this room, nobody is looking at that going, Oh, you know what, Pastor? I don't think I've ever done anything wrong. (laughs) Liar! All of us have done something wrong in our life. All of us have done something wrong. (laughs) So many personal illustrations I could use right here. Um, But I'll stick to some that maybe um, we we all share, or or maybe the most of us kind of can land on common ground right here. All right, the first one, stop signs. You ever ran a stop sign? Well, technically, pastor, no cop, no stop. Well, technically, nothing. The law. Listen, as Christians, we're supposed to be obedient to government laws, right? Running a stop sign, not coming to a complete stop, right or wrong? Wrong. How about this one? Because some of you are like, I've never done that. Cool, 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 cool. Anybody ever broke the speed limit? Anybody ever shattered the speed limit? <laughs> Anybody ever, like, guilty? By the way, listen, this morning, (laughs) I am not pointing fingers at anybody. Like, this is seriously, like, my therapy time. Like, this is legit, like, confession to me. Like, this is so absolutely freeing. It feels so good to stand up here and do this. But every single person here right now, every single person, I don't care how awesome you are, I don't care how much of the Bible you have read. I don't care how much of the Bible you have memorized. Every single one of us falls into that category right there. Wrongdoer. Every one of us have done something wrong. So everyone, minus one, right from the start, all the nerds are going, oh, crap. Don't worry. You can still get an A on this thing. All right? You can, you can still get an A. Let's go on to number two, sexually immoral. It's always fun to talk about in the church, right? we got to define that because some people will say, well, I don't know, sexually immoral because what might be right for you might not be right for me, and what might be right for me might not be right for you. Stop, stop. I'm here to play games this morning, all right? We're going to cut right to the chase. I'll just give you a couple of basic examples. You're a dude or, you, or, or a girl. Did you ever looked at porn? You ever looked at it? Busted, busted. Men, have you ever looked lustfully at a woman? Have you ever done it? You ever looked lustfully at a woman? Let's be honest. You ever done it? We'll talk more about that in a second. But let me ask you all this. How would you feel discussing what you've thought or what you've done sexually with Jesus? How would you feel talking to Jesus about that? I don't know about you, but when it comes to this in my life, Pastor Ryan got a big old X. I get an X. That's all I can say. Now, maybe you don't struggle with this, or you've never struggled with this in your life. Awesome. But I'd ask you to look a little bit deeper into the mirror and really be honest. I heard a pastor say recently, he said, I haven't lusted after a woman in 20 years. And I thought, dude, they got a pill for that. Anyway, just a little, just a little humor to break the tension because you're all about to kill me already. I can tell. Let's move on. Number three, idolater. This is where people go, sweet, I don't worship statues, so I can put a check mark right here. But hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. 
Let's not carry it away because we have to define what an idol is. An idol is something or someone that we love or give more time, energy, and effort to than Jesus. That's an idol. An idol is something or someone that we love and we give more time, energy, and effort to than Jesus. So based on that definition, all of us have experienced seasons of idolatry in our lives. Now again, tons of different things that we could list right here, but for time's sake, um, we'll only go over a few. Um, the first one, we'll talk about this because this is always so much fun. Um, even though the season is over, let's talk about college football. Now listen, 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 listen. <laughs> you know this is so true. You can take the name of the Lord in vain in front of somebody, and they won't say anything to you. But you talk smack about their favorite college football team, they will go psycho Billy Ninja on you and cuss you out for everything that you are worth. Yes or no? Yes. I have heard Hawkeye fans. And by the way, who won that basketball game the other night? My Hoosiers, my Hoosiers are terrible this year. But who won that basketball game the other night? Hoosiers. Anyway, um, <laughs> I've heard Hawkeye fans scream and cuss out Cyclone fans and ridicule them because they have never won a national championship in football. And I'm always like, dude, shut up. You ain't won one since 1960. If you just got mad, it's because I attacked your idol, right? Think about this. If you're obsessed with your image on social media, if you're always checking your likes and this picture didn't get as many likes as you think it should get or this person didn't comment on what you thought they should comment on and they didn't say nothing about you, you know what I'm saying? Idol. Some people, their idols are their kids. Some people, their idols are their jobs or their careers. Some people's idols are their bank accounts. Other people's idols are, I don't know, car collection, gun collection, their, their golf game, whatever. Listen, an idol... Is just something or someone that we give way more time, energy, and effort to than we do Jesus. Just to let you know, I'll get an X right here. If you don't struggle with idolatry, um, you're probably not being honest right now. At least that's where I'm at. Let's keep going. Next one, number four, adulterer. Now, again, this is where people are like, cool, first one I get a check mark on, but hold up. Just wait a second. Let's kind of talk about the whole adultery thing. Because adultery can simply be defined as having sex with somebody you're not married to. Now, some people say, oh, oh that's okay. I'm, I'm not married. Well, if you've ever had sex with somebody you're not married to, it's adultery. According to the Bible, there's no black and white in this thing. According to the Bible, it is adultery. Now, I know some people are like, well, I've never done that. Cool, 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 cool. But listen, and I can't speak to, to women here, but, but I can speak to men. Men, if we are honest, if we are honest, every one of us are busted right here. Not because of what I said, not because of what, what Pastor Ryan says, but because of what this guy named Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5. This is what Jesus said. He said, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you, don't miss this, look at this. Anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands of the men that have ever looked at a woman lustfully, but if I did ask for a hand raise, mine would have to go up. It, it just would. Listen, I'm not trying to lie to you this morning. I'm not trying to be holier than thou. Make no mistake about it. Pastor Ryan did not have to polish his halo when he got out of bed this morning right? 
I did not have to do that. But according to Jesus, men, if you've looked lustfully at a woman, you have committed adultery. Now, so far, I don't know about you, but I'm 0 for 4. If you're on my softball team, I'm moving you down in the lineup in the next game. I might even be taking you completely out, right? I'm 0 for 4. Let's move on. Number five, men who have sex with other men. Men who have sex with other men. Now, I'm going to go ahead and say, never really struggled with this one. Never really wrestled through this. I've never had this type of thought, never had that type of craving, never had that type of desire. But hold on, time out, just just hold up. How dare I, how dare I take some sort of moral high ground because I finally found something on the list that I don't struggle with when I've already established that there are four things that have absolutely crushed me at some point in my life. Listen to me, this is all I'm saying. This is the passage that Christians for years have said, homosexuals go to hell. And before we even get there, most of us are 0 for 4. 0 for 4. Let's keep going, though, because this is lots of fun, right? Number six, thieves. I've never stolen anything. I bet you have. I bet you have. I, I, I had a friend. We used to go to Wendy's all the time and eat and every time we would go there and we would eat on the way out he would order a chili to go and on the way out with the chili he would he would take his bag and he would fill his bag up with all the crackers that he could fit into this bag I don't know if you've ever been to Wendy's and got chili but it's just a little thing like two packages of crackers is way too many crackers for that chili but he would fill the bag all the way to the top with crackers and hot sauce to use on other food at home Technically, that's stealing, right? Like, you know, there are restaurants that have to take the Splenda and the Equal and the other sweeteners off the table because people steal it. Do you know that stealing silverware and napkins from restaurants is a very real thing? It's stealing. Some of you, maybe you don't have that. Maybe those of you my age, you'll remember this. Remember this thing called Napster? Remember that? That was stealing! It was, and here's the thing. You knew it was stealing, and you did it anyway. So you got a letter from the FBI telling you to stop, right? You ever borrowed a CD from a friend and burned it onto your computer? Guess what that's called? Stealing. You ever gone to a restaurant, ordered water, and then filled your drink with something other than water, like sweet tea or soda? Guess what that is? Come on, I know you know the answer. Stealing, right? I could go on and on. But all of us, at the end of the day, if we're honest... We'll get an X right here because we've all stolen something. I, I get an X here too. All right, thieves. Number seven, greedy. Greedy. Man, I, I've wrestled with this before. Now, now, when we think greedy, we think money greedy. And, and we've seen more examples of greed when it comes to corporate America in the past 10, 15, 20 years than ever before. But that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about personal greed because, you know, we can be greedy with our attitudes and emotions. Um, somebody asked me one time, this was years ago um, when we still lived in Indiana, um, they were like, why do you and Chloe always go to Chick-fil-A? Um, they're like, I mean, and if you know, like for the first few years I, was, I lived here, like that was, that was the thing I talked about I missed the most was Chick-fil-A. Love, 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 love Chick-fil-A. And they were like, man, it's, it's good food, 
but it's not great food. Why do you always go there? And I had to explain the reason why we, used to, we always went there is because I used to not love to go there. Um, from the time Chloe was born, um, we, we used to go all the time, once a week, on, on daddy-daughter date day. And um, even when she was, like, way small, still in the little carrier thing, I would just take her and I'd just spend some time with her. Um, when she got older, I would ask her all the time. I'd be like, hey, baby, where do you want to go to eat? And all the time, and I don't know if it's because she went to Christian school and they taught her about Christian chicken or not, but all the time she said, I want to go to Chick-fil-A. And I would say every single time, we're not going there. And one day she's like, why do you always ask me where I want to go, but you're never going to take me there? The real answer was because I was greedy. Because I wanted what I wanted. I wanted Chipotle. Right? I mean, that's, that, that was just it. I was asking her where she wanted to go, even though I knew the answer, and I never intended to go there. Greed is when we manipulate a situation to get our own way. You, you ever done that? You ever done that? Greed is when we manipulate our, uh, any situation to get our own way. If you haven't done that, I'm, like, I'm glad you're here, Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. The rest of us, We've been greedy, right? Let's keep going. Number eight, drunkard. Drunkard. Now, I'm not going to talk about this in detail today because I'm working on a message on this topic for later in the year, and I really don't have to define this to you. But, but this is, think about this. Have you ever used a substance to try to escape a situation? Now, now let me stop and say this because in the church world, there are some people saying, I've never drank alcohol. Let's talk about your weight. So years ago, I will never forget this. I was in a Baptist church, and this dude was up, and he was preaching hellfire and brimstone. I mean, he was going to town. And he said, my lips have never touched a drop of alcohol. And in my mind, from the back of the church, I wanted to scream out, and your feet have never touched a treadmill, fatty. Drunkard. The Bible, don't miss this. The Bible says getting drunk, altering your mind with any substance is sin. It is sin, it is sin, it is sin. Think about that at your next party. Drunkard. Let's go on to number nine. Slanderer. Woo! I don't got this one, Pastor. I've never done this. I've never, I am not a slanderer. I can nail 99.9% of you with one picture. You ever slandered either one of these guys? Listen, I'm an equal opportunity offender. <laughs> I says, I'm a bull. You ever said anything about one of these two guys that, that maybe just might not have been true? A slander. Slander. I'm telling you, as far as slander goes, for many people, all you need to do to prove yourself guilty is just go back and look at some of the stuff you have said on Facebook. Christians should have to read their Bible for like three hours before we get on Facebook or any social media post because of the slander. All of us, all of us are guilty of this at some point, saying something about somebody else. Now listen, I know the argument you're going to throw back at me because this is where people say, well, it's true. It's true. Maybe. But does it need to be said? Does Does it really need to be said? Anyway, one more. I'm sure everyone is super glad they came to church this morning, right? Number 10, swindler. A swindler. Now, all of us have been swindled before, 
It's like, you know, you take your car to the, to the mechanic to get the oil change, and they call and say, listen, just want to let you know the flux capacitor is on. And you're like, I don't even know what that is, man. I don't, I don't even, how much is it going to be to fix it? $40,000. Man, I wish I'd have listened to that guy that called me about buying my car's extended warranty. Swindler. Swindling someone has taken advantage of a situation that plays to your advantage. That's what it is. You ever done that? Taking advantage of a situation that plays to your advantage? I would argue that all of us in some way, shape, form, or fashion have done that. Because listen, we learn to swindle and manipulate situations from a very early age. Swindler. Now those ten things, just curious. Like I'm not going to ask anybody to shout out their score out loud. But, but just so you know, I'll, I'll be transparent. Out of ten, I got one. I got, I got a check mark on one. I got nine wrong, an X on nine. That means a couple of things, a couple of takeaways for today. Number one, I failed the test. Guess what? You did too. And if we're grading on a morality scale, those ten things that we just went through, every single one of us has failed. And in other words, none of us have the position of a moral high ground to stand around and judge other people when we're in the exact same boat. Well, Ryan, something has to be said. Something has to be said. Something has to be said about this, and something has to be said about that. No, 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 no. Something has to be said about the person that we look at in the mirror every single day. That's it. Before we try to correct somebody else, we've got to check our heart and our motives and make sure that the desire to correct is even coming from the right place. Do you understand that? Because a lot of times when we try to correct other people, we try to correct other people so that we don't have to deal with our own insert chocolate ice cream emoji right here. And then people tell us, do more, try harder. I'll tell you this, do more, try harder has never produced people becoming more like Jesus. Because think about this, let's say 10 things, right? Let's say... Say you look at that and you're like, okay, I gotta stop slandering and I gotta stop swindling and I gotta stop looking at porn and I gotta stop. Which, which, stopping all of those things is a great idea. It is. Don't don't get me wrong. You stop all that stuff. When you stop all that stuff, this is absolutely great. But saying I'm gonna work hard, I'm gonna really do more, I'm gonna read my Bible more, I'm gonna come to church more, I'm gonna memorize more verses, I'm gonna listen to more Christian music, and and all these things. You're doing all this stuff. Eventually, if you're just trying to do more you'll fall back into the same patterns. And then you look at people and people tell you, well, you're not doing enough. Do more. Try harder. Listen, I've been doing this Christianity thing for over 20 years. I have read the Bible multiple, multiple, multiple times. Do more. Try harder has never produced people becoming more like Jesus ever. Ramping up our Christian activity isn't going to squash the sin out of our lives. It's not. The Apostle Paul, who wrote this letter to Corinth, the Apostle Paul is one of the most righteous people that has ever lived on this planet. He didn't just read the Bible, he wrote a big part of it. (laughs) None of us have that qualification, right? And this is what the Apostle Paul said about himself in 1 Timothy. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. And I always say right here, that's because Paul hadn't met me yet. That's the only reason he could write that down. But for that reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus must, might display it. Don't, don't miss this. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. 
might display his immense patience as the church and as Christians, as followers of Jesus, when it comes to other people that might be what we would say when we look at them and we see them sinning, could that be said of us that we've shown them immense patience? Can that be said of us when we watch other people and when we perceive them sinning, can that be said of us that we have shown them immense patience? Immense patience is an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. And so when it comes, listen, that list of 10 things, at the end of the day, before I can point my finger at other people, I have to acknowledge that I, I failed the test. Which means, number two, I desperately, desperately, desperately need the grace of God in my life. Listen to me, if we miss 9 out of 10, 8 out of 10, how dare we hold our head high about the one check mark that we received when we know that we failed on all the others. Every single person here, doesn't matter who you are, what you've experienced in life, all of us desperately need the grace of God. Because at the end of the day, we all fall short. Which is why I love, like, like Paul listed these things out, man. He could just stop right there, and we would just be like, oh my gosh, I don't even know what to do. But he, but he goes on, he says this in verse 11, and it's awesome. He says, and, and that is what some of you were. It's what some of you were, past tense. He didn't say, hey, don't do these things anymore. He said, that's where your identity used to be. But then watch this. He says this, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Now, real quick question. This isn't a trick question. This is an easy question. Did Paul say, but you washed yourself, yes or no? No. He said, you were washed. What was your responsibility in that? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. You were washed. Not you washed yourself, but you were washed. You were not active in this process. Then he goes on to say, and you were sanctified. That means you were set apart. Listen, not only did Jesus wash us, but he set us apart for a purpose that's greater than anything we could ever possibly imagine. You're sanctified. And then he says you were justified. Justified. And that's like standing in front of a judge knowing that you're guilty, being pronounced guilty, and Jesus stepping in and saying, I'll take his place. I will take his place. Listen, don't miss this. Once we receive Jesus, we are justified. His payment on the cross for our sins completely, 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 completely makes us right with God. And so, no matter how many we got right, no matter how many we got wrong on the list, or no matter how many or where we're at or anything else we didn't cover on that list, all of us, every single one of us, desperately needs the grace of God in our lives. Apart from Jesus, we're not washed. Apart from Jesus, we are not sanctified. And apart from Jesus, we are not justified. And so at the end of the day, we can have our pet sins. We can have all of these things that we pick on. We can have all the things that we protest and we scream about. But if we really, 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 really want to take our next step with Jesus, then it's time for us, church, to look in the mirror. And before we start pointing fingers, we need to learn how to lend a hand. And so the question that I would challenge you with this week to, to ask and, and to just, just get along with God, just say, Lord, what, what's one thing? Not, not, not this whole list, but let's just, let's just start with one. 
What's one thing in me that doesn't need to be? Lord, what's the one thing that's going on in my life right now? What's one thing? Listen, if something pops in your mind, that's not Jesus condemning you. It's kind of like him saying, hey, time for surgery. (laughs) We need to remove this because if we don't get this thing out of you, eventually this thing is going to kill you. And listen, I'm not going to stand up here and list things out because I don't want you to hear from Pastor Ryan. I want you to hear from God. Lord, what's one thing in me? One thing in me that doesn't need to be in me. Let me say this as I close this thing out. I'm not trying, as your pastor, I'm not trying for, for as a pastor or for us as a church to establish moral high ground. I, I really, 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 really want us to become faithful followers of Jesus. And listen to me. We, we don't do that by looking out the window. We do it by looking in the mirror. And, and listen, if you're wrestling with this, I get it. I, I understand. Like, I'm not wrestling with just one thing. Like, I, I, have, a, I have a lot of things, right? I do. But get along with God. Today, the end of this message, later on today, this week, it's one thing. It's one thing. And if Jesus brings something up, let that be the thing that you deal with this week. And ask him, hey, hey, God, give me the ability to lay it at the foot of the cross. Because when you lay it at the foot of the cross, I've never seen anybody lay something at the foot of the cross and actually mean business and walk away from it and Jesus not heal them from that thing. And so instead of being completely obsessed with the sins of others, Jesus, what's the one thing in me? It's the one thing in me that doesn't need to be. Let's, let's look in the mirror, church. Let's look in the mirror. Instead of pointing fingers, again, let's learn how to lend a hand. Let's pray.